0: Today, we're going to talk about silicon carbide company Wolfspeed, as well as chip manufacturing equipment giant Applied Materials. We'll also discuss Excellus, a small cap chip manufacturing equipment company. Before we continue, make sure you hit the subscribe button. We have a goal here at Chip Stock Investor to reach 10,000 subscribers by the end of the year. If you can subscribe and help us out, we would greatly appreciate it.
1: So we wanted to tackle Wolfspeed, Applied Materials, and Excellus all together in one video for a reason. We think there are some overlaps between these companies, some missed opportunities for some investors because of lack of understanding on how these businesses relate to each other, and also You're going to get a rant from me today because Wolfspeed has been a little less than transparent with investors, I think, causing some confusion about how exactly their expansion plans would play out. So hopefully over the course of the last year or so, you've been following along and we've helped save you from overpaying for Wolfspeed stock.
0: Why don't we set this episode up by talking about silicon carbide what is silicon carbide and why is it so important in the semiconductor industry?
1: Okay, high level view silicon carbide, much like it sounds, is a chip which has a different substrate than silicon. So, silicon carbide often just abbreviated to SIC, SI being the symbol for silicon on the periodic table and carbon or C on the periodic table. So S-I-C, this is what's known as a wide band gap semiconductor. In very simple terms, a wide band gap semiconductor has a larger gap between the valence band and the bottom of the conduction band. So this is in reference to the atomic level, the actual atoms that make up the crystal lattice, the solid that the semiconductor is made up of. And essentially what this means is silicon carbide can operate at a higher voltage, higher temperature, and higher frequency than just straight silicon, which makes it more ideal semiconductor substrate for applications like electric vehicles, things like solar power, other smart power applications, industrial applications, basically anywhere when you're using lots of electricity and lots of voltage, maybe some extreme environmental considerations. There's your high-level view.
0: Thanks, Nick. And so ultimately, this would increase power efficiency, I would imagine.
1: Yes, that is absolutely correct. Casey, especially as of late, I think semiconductors, we often associate them with computing power. That's because We all use PCs, laptops, smartphones. Now there's this whole generative AI movement that Nvidia has helped spur on. And we're always talking about computational power, but semiconductors are really a story of electricity, using electricity to get things done. So you have those chips that use the properties of electricity of electrons flowing through a system but you also have to have semiconductors that help manage the flow of that electricity. And so when you talk about silicon carbide, also gallium nitride to a certain extent, another wide band gap semiconductor, we're really talking about energy efficiency and chips that help make the management of that electricity more efficient. If you missed the video that we did on superconductors and LK99, of course, it looks like that is not going to be The hoped for superconductor that we all thought maybe, hopefully it would be, but it is a good intro because whenever you talk about semiconductor material or even conductive material, whenever you have the flow of electrons through some sort of substrate, you have energy loss, usually in the form of heat. So if you can get more efficient semiconductor material that reduces in less loss of power, of course, you're going to have a much better system. And so for all intents and purposes here today, let's say that's electric vehicles.
0: So what is the growth prospects for silicon carbide?
1: Supposedly, it's going to be quite a massive. And it will basically follow the cadence of expansion of the electric vehicle market. Some estimates point to this being a 20 to 30 percent, maybe even a 40 percent compound annual growth rate through the end of this decade. The electric vehicle market currently at the moment, somewhere in the mid to high teens percentage share of each new vehicle sold. And that's expected to be upwards of half or maybe even more of all vehicles sold by 2030. So you think about all of those chips involved in electric vehicles. And in addition to that, Other ancillary systems involved with electric vehicles like advanced driver assist systems, in-cabin infotainment, digitalization, a lot of chips, including silicon carbide chips, needed for these next-gen vehicles, these essentially data centers on wheels.
0: So it sounds like absolutely huge growth potential. Just in one market, these chips would extend into other industries as well, of course, like industrial such as the power grid. Besides Wolfspeed, what other companies are developing silicon carbide chips?
1: Wolfspeed has done a fantastic job of marketing itself as the pure play. And Casey, you you said so-called pure play, and that's accurate because they actually do have some gallium nitride chips. And some of those end markets that they play in, specifically in communications, are down this year. We'll get into that in a moment. But as far as silicon carbide specifically, WolfSpeed likes to say it's the leader in this space. I think they've dropped some of that language because the actual leaders in silicon carbide production right now, today, are emerging as ST Microelectronics over in Europe, based in Switzerland. So ST Micro, ticker symbol STM, and on semiconductor, our personal favorite in this niche, ticker symbol ON. Both of which it looks like are on track to more than exceed $1 billion in silicon carbide revenue in calendar year 2023.
0: You'll notice back in the investor day for WolfSpeed, they mentioned that their Durham facility accounts for greater than 60% of the entire industry production of silicon carbide materials. So fast forward to August of 2023, and that has changed significantly. ST Micro and on semiconductor have ramped up their silicon carbide production exponentially. So this company is a vertically integrated silicon carbide company, an integrated device manufacturer. Nick, can you tell us a little bit more about the business model for Wolfspeed?
1: I will give it my best shot, Casey, because I feel like Wolfspeed, I don't know, maybe intentionally, maybe not, has not been crystal clear with investors on how this works. So Wolfspeed is an IDM, integrated device manufacturer. They design the power chips, the silicon carbide chips, and then they also manufacture them. This company used to be known as Cree, which did light bulbs. That's an oversimplification, but like the old Cree light bulb assets have been sold off. The company rebranded as Wolfspeed a few years back. And now it's supposedly this pure play all in on power chips and silicon carbide. So they have, as you said, the one facility in Durham, North Carolina, that actually packages power chips. And there is some vertical integration there historically with this fab, with the material fabrication, basically making the silicon carbide bulls. Casey, as you like to describe this, that's the log of salami made out of pure silicon carbide, that log of salami then gets sliced into salami pieces. And then there's like some fabrication that goes on with those individual wafers of silicon carbide before they get chopped up into chips and then packaged into some sort of power system, like for an electric vehicle. So the Durham facility handles historically all of that, but Wolfspeed wants to ramp up the supply of silicon carbide to address this massive new market for EVs and smart power grids and whatnot. And you can't just do that from an existing facility anymore. Ideally, that's what you want to do. And that's what On Semiconductor has been predominantly doing is retooling some of its existing fabs for silicon carbide. STMicro also doing this. There might be some plans to build some new fabs as well, but primarily they're taking existing fabs Wolf speed is building brand new facilities to complement that Durham facility. So the first is just now entering production and that is the Mohawk Valley fab. Mohawk Valley is in New York state and this thing just went up. They're doing just a measly $1 million in revenue as they exited this most recent quarter, the end of their fiscal 2023. And this is the FAB that they have very quietly on earnings calls in the last couple of quarters told investors won't even reach 20% of total capacity until next summer 2024. To put it simply, that is a recipe to lose a ton of money. So not only have you invested heavily in this new FAB for billions of dollars, now it's also going to operate at a loss for at least a year, because you're not really going to hit breakeven until you hit about 70% capacity. So we have way more than a year to go of steep losses coming from that Mohawk Valley facility. Now that Mohawk Valley facility is where they want to bring in all of the wafer production. So there are some supply agreements for this to supply the raw silicon carbide wafers to some customers, and then they'll do what they want. With those silicon carbide wafers but predominantly they want mohawk valley to fill up the durham north carolina facility so that they have silicon carbide wafers to chop up and package and sell to end markets like the auto automotive industry there's the first step in vertical integration mohawk valley producing wafers that go to durham north carolina for final packaging Now, there's a brand new fab that is currently in construction right now. They're just now, they said, putting the walls up, the shell, you could say, of the fab. And this facility is also in North Carolina. It's in Siler City. And this thing you'll often hear referred to as the JP facility or the John Palmer Materials facility or just JP. When it's completed... It will be the world's largest silicon carbide materials facility. So again, if you think about the steps involved in making eventually a chip, you have to start with the silicon carbide or silicon boules. You're growing the crystal lattice structure into a log of salami. That's what this JP facility will do. It's going to focus primarily on making those silicon carbide crystals that eventually get sliced up. Into wafers. And that's the vertical integration that WolfSpeed is trying to build. Everything from the silicon carbide crystal growth at the very first step of the process at the JP facility, wafer fabrication in Mohawk Valley, and then final packaging of the chips in Durham, North Carolina. There's going to be an additional fourth facility that they announced earlier this year in Germany that will also be a silicon carbide materials facility but that one has not begun construction yet.
0: Okay, so they are doing a lot of construction at this point, aren't they? They need a lot of equipment is what it sounds like, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. But let's focus on the quarterly financial highlights and discuss that a little bit. Their revenue was nearly $236 million compared to $228 million last year, 3% increase gap gross margin is down to 27.4% compared to 34.5% last year. And free cash flow of negative 1.1 billion. And I wanted to ask you before we go into the free cash flow, one thing they added to their press release were these quarterly design ends. And it mentioned last year, the quarterly design-in of $8.3 billion. So explain what that is to us.
1: It's an almost worthless metric that we should probably all ignore.
0: Okay, I definitely need more than that.
1: Okay, fair enough. So design ends, sometimes companies will mention pipeline. It's a very general metric that you can use to cite future growth in the very long term. Let's say over the next five to ten years. So pipeline is maybe just anticipated customer orders in the coming years. Design in is when a customer uses your chip or some sort of material. In the case of Wolfspeed, maybe it's a silicon carbide wafer. They're using your product in the design of their product. You take a base product, maybe it's the wafer or maybe a chip, and you're designing your own chip or maybe a chip system, it doesn't mean an actual order has been placed, but it could mean that an order will be placed from a customer and might be indicative of future revenue growth. This is one of those little things that I think Wolfspeed's management hyped a lot over the last few years, the design in and the pipeline growth that they have been experiencing. It's not a rock solid financial metric that you can base an investment on. It shouldn't be anyways.
0: It's good marketing. Is what it sounds like. Let's go back to that free cash flow or excuse me, the lack of free cash flow that Wolf Speed is experiencing right now. You said negative 1.1 billion. Explain that to us.
1: There's a lot of items to unpack here, but let's just focus on construction. You mentioned lots of construction happening at Wolf Speed, Casey, and that is continuing because not only are they still adding equipment to the Mohawk Valley facility, but also you have to invest in the land development and then construction of that brand new fab, the JP facility in Siler City, North Carolina. So free cash flow was negative $1.1 956 million of that in the last year was equipment. So this is why for viewers that have been following along with us for almost the last year since we started this channel, and maybe longer prior to that, if you've also been following along with articles that we write on the industry, we have felt for years that rather than invest in fabs, a lot of attention was actually going to flow to the chip equipment companies, the fab manufacturing equipment companies like Applied Materials, Excellus. We'll talk about those momentarily. So that's going to continue actually, because now they're still finishing Mohawk Valley. They've got the new fab. And so free cash flow is expected to go from negative 1.1 billion this past year to negative two billion for fiscal 2024. That's the 12 months that will end next summer 2024. So we talk about money moving somewhere? Yes, Wolfspeed is expecting up to 1.1 billion in revenue for fiscal 2024, But all of the profits are going somewhere else, and then some. They're going to absolutely destroy their balance sheet again. They got some cash infusions in the last couple of months. They signed a, a funding deal with Apollo Global for some debt at a very high interest rate of about 10%. So Apollo going to be scalping quite a bit of profit in the form of interest payments from Wolfspeed. And then in addition to that, we covered the Renaissance deal, Japan's big chip maker Renaissance for raw silicon carbide materials starting in 2025. Wolfspeed building up these new fabs for material production, raw silicon carbide material production. They're going to be selling it to Renaissance. Yes, they landed 2 billion in in funding in return for this long-term supply agreement to Renaissance, but they're also creating an end device competitor because Renaissance is going to take those wafers and make their own silicon carbide chips. The long story short here, Casey. The free cash flow burn, absolute obliteration of cash off of the balance sheet is going to continue for a long time. And along the way, Wolfspeed actually helping enable some future competitors. I guess you can get the sense that I think this business is in a mess and the market was not communicating to investors clearly that this was going to happen. A lot of people underestimated just how hard and how expensive it is to build a brand new fab. And I think that is now on grand display.
0: I'm going to read a quote to you from the press release that I want you to explain to us. It says, the factory startup costs have been and will be expensed as operating expenses in our statement of operations. When a new facility begins, revenue generating production the operating costs of that facility that were previously expensed as startup costs will instead be primarily reflected as part of the cost of production within the cost of revenue, net line item in our statement of operations. It gives an example. Our new silicon carbide device fabrication facility in Marcy, New York, began revenue generating production at the end of fiscal 2023 and the costs of operating this facility going forward will be primarily reflected in cost of revenue net in future periods. So explain to us, Nick, how this is different than it was expensed before and why this is of note to us as investors.
1: Okay. This is one of those reasons we avoided Wolfspeed stock, but we didn't really talk about because it's accounting. Which is really super boring, but actually, as it turns out really important. So what Wolfspeed was doing up until this point was they were actually excluding. The cost of operating that new Mohawk Valley fab in Marcy, New York, they were excluding the cost of operating that facility from their cost of goods sold. Operating the facility where your products are manufactured is obviously part of your cost of goods sold. They were excluding it from their adjusted gross margins. The SEC, this came up in the earnings call a number of times because I think it somehow threw analysts for a loop. I don't know how that's possible, but they had all these questions about this and no one admitted this, but the SEC got involved and told Wolfspeed, you cannot exclude a cost of goods sold expense from your cost of goods sold. Stop doing that. It's misleading. So... Long and the short of it is you're going from a company that was prior reporting gross margins of 30% plus on an adjusted basis to now you're looking at far less than 20% gross margin going forward. This goes back to that factory utilization of 20% that they expect by next summer. And your break-even costs on that is going to be more like 70% utilization. This thing has been an absolute mess. And I think Wolfspeed management really did a lot of investors a disservice by not being completely transparent in how they reported their financials. And then in addition to that, market analysts really, I think, fed into the hype talking about all the growth potential for this business without talking about all of the expenses. Three massive tidal waves of expenses coming Wolfspeed's way. The Mohawk Valley fab, which is still not completely 100% finished the JP facility now under construction, and then at some point, this other facility addressing, let's just call it automakers in Europe, the Germany fab. This stock is untouchable, has been untouchable for us all along. And I think now, I think we're at a point where I think everybody is starting to realize that and just don't buy the dip on this. It's still not a cheap stock, considering all the money that this business is bleeding right now.
0: Why don't we move away from Wolfspeed and talk about another company, Excellus. Excellus is a much smaller peer to applied materials. And Wolfspeed announced in July that they were receiving ion implant machines from Excellus. So would Excellus be more of a picks and shovels play in the silicon carbide market instead of purchasing a stock like Wolfspeed?
1: Yes, it is. Casey, you said Excellus. Primarily focuses on ion implantation. That is a very critical step in the manufacture of silicon carbide wafers. So after they've been sliced out of the log of salami, then you have to do a lot of fabrication work on the surface of those wafers. Ion implantation is the step where you're introducing something other than silicon or silicon carbide into the surface of the wafer to help enhance the flow of electricity. In what will eventually be the electrical circuitry that you're going to package these chips into. Excellus is a specialist. All they do is basically ion implantation. That's where they've been getting all of their revenue growth over the last year. So if you were actually looking for a place to invest in this wolf speed spending spree, it wasn't actually wolf speed at all. Excellus was your stop. This is one that we missed. Say, Levy, it's fine. Congrats to those of you that got in on Excellus, but if you're wondering where all that growth has been coming from, it is actually from Wolfspeed, and there's a solid chance that as Excellus continues to say that they're looking at an extra couple hundred million in revenue over the next couple of years, in addition to what they've already picked up, this is the customer. It's Wolfspeed. Excellus is also profitable, so yeah, the picks and shovels plays, are. that's what you want to look for in this Semiconductor fab construction boom. We're talking about Wolfspeed, but there's others obviously going on out there as well. TSMC, Taiwan Semi down in Arizona. Those are fabs that are costing tens of billions of dollars versus Wolfspeed's a few billion dollars for these fabs. This spending spree is not over. Look for the picks and shovels. Casey, maybe just pull up your semiconductor industry flow chart and point out what we're talking about here.
0: In the semiconductor industry, right in the very middle of this chart, wafer fab and other semiconductor manufacturing equipment, this segment of the semiconductor industry is absolutely integral. As Nick said, this is the best place to be investing when it comes to all of these new fabrication manufacturing facilities that are attempting to come online as the next few years continue.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of them, Casey. So there are new chip foundries or just existing ones being retooled. The TSMC one in Arizona is brand new. Intel's working on some new ones, but they're also all retooling as well. So whether it's a third-party foundry, the chip fab segment right there above the wafer fab equipment segment, or an IDM, integrated design manufacturer in the upper left quadrant of your chart here, that's where Wolfspeed falls on semi- We are invested a little bit in both of these segments, but far and away, most of our money here is in that way for fab equipment space because these companies are profitable. Maybe you're not looking at the most explosive of growth stories, but you're going to get really healthy profit growth. And because these businesses are very well established, they have very generous shareholder return programs, if not a dividend, stock buybacks. So... Excellus definitely falls in here. It is, again, a very small specialist. It only does ion implantation, where it does compete against applied materials, the leader in this ion implant, part of the the steps involved with fabricating a wafer. But Excellus, I think, still a pretty solid bet for those of you that are looking at that and wondering about the recent sell-off. As most things have sold off here in the last month, Excellus, probably still a pretty solid Place to stash away some money for the next three to five years.
0: In this space, of course, Applied Materials is definitely one of our absolute favorites. Continuing with the silicon carbide theme, we can look back two years ago when Applied Materials released a news report that they were helping silicon carbide chip makers accelerate that transition to two hundred millimeter wafers. And WolfSpeed is, of course, mentioned in this article. So this company has been selling manufacturing equipment for silicon carbide for quite some time. Let's talk about quarterly numbers for applied materials. This company reported $6.4 billion in revenue last quarter, which is down 1% year-over-year. Earnings per share were flat from last year at $1.85 per share or down 2% year-over-year on an adjusted basis. It really would seem that Overall, this quarter was not that exciting, but I know, Nick, you picked out a very specific metric that did grow and is worth noting.
1: Yeah, free cash flow, up 85% year over year. There were a couple of companies we picked out at the beginning of 2023 that we thought would outperform the overall market in free cash flow generation, which is an incredibly important metric. I know a lot of investors these days Have latched onto and have begun harping on stock based compensation and the need to exclude stock based compensation from free cash flow. That's just simply called gap net income and gap earnings per share. Free cash flow is important because it's cash available to the company to do two things with invest for future expansion. Maybe it's organic, maybe it's an acquisition, or return to shareholders via a dividend or stock buybacks. In the case of Applied Materials, what they did, it was really interesting. Last year, during the bear market, the stock was depressed. They used up the majority of cash and short-term investments off of their balance sheet in stock buybacks. Now, this year, they have this huge influx of free cash flow from all those past investments that they made into things like silicon carbide equipment to replenish their balance sheet. Their balance sheet is now completely replenished as of this point. Over $6 billion in cash and short-term investments now, only $5.5 billion in debt. So the balance sheet looks healthy again. That metric absolutely transpired the way that we thought and hoped it would. And in addition, the revenue, basically flat revenue this year looks unimpressive. But bear in mind that this wafer fab equipment niche in the industry overall is actually looking at mid-teens, decline in 2023 versus 2022 applied materials absolutely outperforming most of its peers this year and gearing up for probably what's going to be a return to solid growth in calendar year 2024 we can attribute that to what the company calls its icaps segment so these are more mature you're not so sexy chips like power chips things for electric vehicles power grid applications industrial applications and the ICAPs leading the way during what has been a pretty sizable downturn for logic and memory chips for smartphones, PCs, even some elements of data center construction.
0: One other segment that noted growth for Applied Materials was this Applied Global Services. It said that it had record quarterly revenue, 16 consecutive quarters year-over-year growth, and 60% of recurring revenue generated from subscriptions. So tell me a little bit more about this segment. What exactly is Applied Global Services?
1: This segment is uh, not the majority of sales. The majority of sales are their semiconductor systems. That's basically what it sounds like. It's when they sell a piece of manufacturing equipment. But Applied Global Services, or AGS, is a good proxy for the Overall business's trajectory over the long term, because bundled up in there is the sale of some equipment, specifically equipment that might be on some sort of leasing terms, where a fab doesn't want to buy it outright, but maybe makes payments. There's also included in there some advanced servicing. So there's maybe a service package attached to a piece of equipment, and the company pays for that ongoing service of the equipment over time. And then, of course, As you just said, Casey subscriptions, software, when you have this machinery, you have to have software of course, to operate the machinery. And so this nice little sidecar business as machinery gets installed in fabs around the world for any application, you have a piece of software with a subscription or license agreement attached to it. A nice growth segment for applied materials. And CEO Gary Dickerson mentioned that AGS is probably going to continue to grow at a mid-teens percentage in the coming years. So again, a nice proxy for the business, whether it's a down market or an up market. If you draw a nice average line through Applied's growth trajectory, you're looking at a business that generates what's call it low teens, average revenue growth.
0: It's funny. You mentioned low teens percent growth, and this could make it sound like it's a really boring stock to own. But when you think about the semiconductor industry and how applied materials can pivot to any segment that is becoming a growth trend, they can pivot very quickly. And this allows for exponential growth. And it's really illustrated very well by one of the slides in their investor presentation regarding the semiconductor industry growth potential to $1 trillion by 2030. And currently, we're in this era four, Internet of Things and AI era. And you can see that it's built on the last era, mobility and cloud, PC and Internet before that, and era one, mainframe and mini.
1: Let's go to the next slide right after that, Casey, where they explain a little bit more what they mean by IoT plus AI The management team says this is two sides of the same coin. On the one side, IoT, you have all of these mobile devices that we have come to rely on every day that are powered by a battery. And that is now being extended to things like cars. And then if you think even also behind the scenes in manufacturing, be that anything from the cars themselves or food, pharmaceutical products, heavy industrial equipment, you name it. All of these things need greater energy efficiency and they're connected. They're gathering up and using real world data. And then that flows into the other side of the coin, the cloud data center, these remote data centers that are accessed via network via either the public internet or maybe a company's own internal communications network. And that's where Nvidia is helping fuel all that generative AI growth because Something is needed to process that massive amount of data being created at the the IOT, internet of things edge. So this is what applied materials is referring to as the next wave pushing the industry from essentially 80% higher where it was at the end of 2022. In the midst of a downturn right here, there will be other downturns along the way between now and the year 2030, but yeah, I think just about everyone in the industry is now on board. And outside of the industry for that matter, is on board with this thought that the semiconductor industry space is going to 1 trillion or higher. Some estimates 1.2, 1.3 trillion by 2030. So, massive growth. Applied materials can pivot back and forth, whichever segment of the market happens to be growing. They can refocus their resources on that. And that's what we've seen this year as they've focused on more of the IoT side of the equation, but heading into 2024 and beyond, we're gonna see some heat up in the other side of that equation, the cloud data center again.
0: Currently, Applied Materials stock trades for just under $150 per share, just shy of 20 times trailing 12 months earnings per share or 18 times free cash flow. Nick, do you think that's a fair value?
1: Simply put, yes, we do still think that is a fair value especially after that 85% year-over-year increase in free cash flow last quarter. We think that will continue for the rest of this calendar year and into 2024, Applied Materials fiscal 2024, that'll start the very tail end of 2023. The business is in fantastic shape to return to growth, and they have an even better track record of increasing their profitability by an even faster rate than revenue growth. So again, like you said, Casey, low teens, percentage revenue growth, not the most exciting semiconductor business out there, but boy, we've sure light, slow and steady, boring semiconductor stock the last five years that we've owned applied materials. It's been a pretty good run. And we think that this will continue to be a fantastic compounder I maybe just point out the share repurchases again are down this year, but we do like that because they refueled the balance sheet. They dumped all of that cash and investment back into the balance sheet. They have more liquidity than debt again. So they are well poised to invest in whatever's next for the company. It looks like a lot of research and development. We covered that new R&D facility in Silicon Valley that will be opening in 2026. They announced another one in India. So it looks like the company was well-positioned to lean into different governments wanting to onshore chip making and chip design to support their own economies in addition to general increase in complexity to manufacture chips. So we think this is still a fair value for really not just a great semiconductor business, just a great well-run, well-managed business period.
0: And you can't argue with a 23% dividend increase earlier this year either. Later this week, we will have a video on Palo Alto Networks and Synopsys. And you may be wondering why we're doing those two companies together, but we have a good reason for this, so stay tuned.
1: And then, of course, NVIDIA earnings. NVIDIA, everybody's favorite <laughs> semiconductor stock chart. We are not going to provide the fastest earnings take on this business. I think all of you have probably come to expect that we're going to take a couple of days and think about things and digest whatever the numbers are, whether it beats estimates or if it falls short of estimates, whatever that may be, we're going to take some time to think about NVIDIA. And rightfully so, I think, as at least as far as it looks right now, pre-earnings, This is the new secular growth leader of this whole AI, IOT movement that we were just talking about in relation to applied materials. Stay tuned for that. That will do it folks. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We really appreciate your support of this little channel that has really exceeded our expectations coming up on our one year anniversary. So we'll have lots more updates for you on how our portfolio has done. We're working on some other projects that we'll be ready to announce related to Chip Stock Investor later this year. Hit the subscribe button, hit the bell so you stay up to date with what we're releasing in the form of our research in the semiconductor industry. Thanks again.